Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Those of you in the Southeast, uh, in all seriousness, wherever you are in the Southeast, particularly if you are in Georgia, at least, to the east of I-75, and then in North Carolina, uh, in Florida, you have Hurricane Ian heading your way. It has shifted now to the east. Uh, a lot of people to the, the west of I-75 now in Georgia, it looks like you may miss the storm. Uh, it can still wobble. It is still tentative. Uh, the, the path keeps changing. Uh, I expect to get a little bit of rain at my house in middle Georgia, but maybe not a ton uh, as much as we were expecting. But if you're along the coast, if you're up in North Carolina, uh, South Carolina listening, you need to be careful of the storm. The storm is growing. It's expected to make landfall in Florida and then reduce into a tropical storm, which in and of itself will actually be good because it'll be less powerful, but it will bring a lot of rain, a lot of flooding. So just be careful out there. Keep your eyes on it. Um, You know, I grew up in Louisiana during the summers. We would come home and get hurricanes that came through. We had moved back to the States when Andrew blew through. We were out of school for several days from the devastation of it. Uh, we never flew. We were, we were inland, so we never packed up and left Louisiana um, when the storms would come through. But, man, we would go for days without power sometimes when those those hurricanes would blow through. Um, so just be careful out there. Now, what I find notable, this isn't actually what I wanted to talk about, but I need to talk about this now. Um it's becoming a campaign issue, which I think is nonsensical, this hurricane. Amy Klobuchar was, of course, on MSNBC this morning. Listen to this statement from Amy Klobuchar, the senator from Minnesota who uh, had to eat her salad with a comb and got mad at her staffers and apparently abusive to staff behind the scenes. This is her from this morning. And two, you've got leaders in Congress uh, like um, uh, Senator Schumer and uh, Speaker Pelosi, as well as their Republicans that want to work with them, where we have been able to step by step by step push these bills through. And so um, I think so many times people counted us out, but we want to make clear we've got the backs of the American people. And while we have clear disagreements, we don't want, if the Republicans take charge, a number of them have been talking about an abortion ban. You guys know that. You featured on the yeah. show. That's why we've got to win this midterm. We just did something about climate change for the first First time in decades. That's why we've got to win this as that hurricane bears down on Florida. We got to win in the midterms. We understand that, but none of that has stopped us from deciding we're going to put our differences aside and get some things done. We just did something about climate change for the first time in decades. That's why we have to win this as a hurricane bears down on Florida. You know, if Democrats are in charge, you don't get hurricanes. That apparently is the latest message, except the Democrats are in charge and we've got a hurricane. By the way, we have less hurricanes this year than they predicted. We're at Ian. Uh, we had a number of tropical storms that got named, and then a few have turned into hurricanes. The one in Puerto Rico was is just a devastating hit in Puerto Rico. But the idea that because of climate change... By the way, notice she didn't tout the Inflation Reduction Act. It was climate change. That, that's, that's how she took credit for it. What I find perturbing is this comment 
from Queen Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, yesterday at the White House press briefing on whether or not the president has spoken to the governor of Florida, let alone the governor of Mississippi, about the water crisis in Mississippi. On the issue of uh, the president speaking with Governor DeSantis, we saw them side by side a little over a year ago when uh, they were together with the Surfside incident and so forth. Does the president think it's important when you have this nature of um, a threat to millions and millions of Americans to have a conversation with a governor? I know there's a lot of administrative and bureaucratic steps that are in place to provide resources, but does the president believe it's important to speak to a governor in so these circumstances? What the president believes is that it's important that federal resources uh, is provided for the people of Florida. That is the most important thing, uh, to make sure that we are there for them uh, in this time of need, and that's why the president reacted right away, uh, to make sure that, the, that we are able to surge resources before, and he did this before landfall. Uh, and so that is the most important thing. It's about the people of Florida. It's not about uh, public officials, especially in this time. Uh, and so, again, the president, as president of the United States, as president uh, for, uh, for folks in red states and blue states, he's going to keep that commitment. And you have seen him uh, do that over uh, the course of the 19 months when there has been extreme, uh, extreme events, extreme weather uh, that has happened, again, in blue states and red states. And he has done uh, his job as president to make sure that we are there uh, for, for the people in the state. He's done his job, but he hasn't talked to the governor of Florida. This is the FEMA director at the White House uh, about 10 minutes ago. Well, I know we've asked before. You spoke to several mayors down there. One of the mayors said that one of the primary concerns was complacency. I'm curious. The president spoke to big leaders. First question to you is about complacency. The second is you've spoken to the governor of the state. Why hasn't the president yet? Or is there a scheduled call for the two men to speak, obviously, as they're the preeminent leaders of the country and of that state? I do have concerns about complacency. We're talking about impacts in a part of Florida that hasn't seen a major direct impact in nearly 100 years. Uh, there's also parts of Florida where there's a lot of new residents that have never experienced this type of threat. So my message to them is still take this very seriously, listen to your local officials, and those Floridians that have been through this before, help your neighbors that may have not had to go through this. Heeding the advice of your local officials is the most important. Um, and as far as the conversation, the president directed me to contact um, the uh, governor early on before we even did the de declaration. I did that. When Donald Trump was president of the United States, he was assailed by the national media and the White House press corps for on more than one occasion not talking to the governors of states experiencing disaster, including when wildfires hit in California, not talking to Gavin Newsom. That they're giving this president a pass for not talking to Ron DeSantis tells you pretty much everything you need to know about where we're headed with the White House press corps, uh, where we've already headed with the White House press corps. How does the president of the United States, who's not just the head of a political party, but he's also the head of state of the United States of America, not reach out to one of the governors of the several states that is going to be impacted by a major natural disaster. How does the president of the United States get away with that? If it were Donald Trump and you're on the left, you know you would be furious. And frankly, when it happened with Gavin Newsom, I called out Donald Trump. 
because he's the president of the United States. He's not just the head of the Republican Party. He's the president of the United States. And when natural disasters happen in this country, we set aside partisanship and we rally. We always have. And I was willing to call out Donald Trump, and now I must call out Joe Biden, and I must note the lack of voices on the left who are willing to do it. He hasn't talked to Ron DeSantis, not even to offer him well wishes directly and and offer aid directly. He didn't even call the governor of Mississippi over the crisis in Jackson, Mississippi. He didn't call the governor of that state. He's leaving it to underlings to do so. Members of the press for four and a half plus years assailed Donald Trump for breaking with historic norms in this country. This is a break of historic norms. And if you're going to call out and hold accountable one side, you have to do it to the other side. Otherwise, you don't look intellectually honest. You look like a partisan hack, which is what so much of the media, I think, is becoming in this country. They're inside the Democratic bubble rallying for the Democrats, and they can't realize that this is unfathomable to most American people, that the president of the United States is not reaching out to the governor of a state as a major hurricane bears down on that state. When there was flooding in Tennessee, the Cumberland River overflowed in Tennessee. When Nashville flooded, when Barack Obama was president, there was a lot of outrage initially that Obama didn't say anything, didn't go anywhere, didn't go see it. He wound up seeing it, wound up spending time with the Republican governor, wound up offering help. A lot of people who initially criticized him, myself included, had to walk it back. He did what he needed to do. Donald Trump got criticized, I think rightly. What I just find notable is there aren't a lot of people on the left criticizing Joe Biden for doing this because they don't like Ron DeSantis. They're putting their personal preferences, their personal political preferences ahead of everything else. We can't do that. The director of FEMA is not the equal of the governor of the state. The chief executive of the nation should be the one talking to the chief executive of the state. It's the way we've done it in this country. Until Joe Biden, if you're going to attack Donald Trump for shattering historic norms, you darn well need to attack Joe Biden for the same thing if you're an intellectually honest person. You have crises in this country. We set aside our partisanship. Look, I know Joe Biden doesn't like Ron DeSantis. I know he doesn't. But it doesn't matter. There are lots of people that Joe Biden doesn't like that he's got to hang out with. If Joe Biden can go hang out with Mohammed bin Saud or whatever his name is um, and, and in Saudi Arabia, who he doesn't like and beg him for oil, he can at least hold his nose and spend five minutes on the phone with Ron DeSantis. If he can go to Saudi Arabia and hang out with people he despises, he should at least be able to do that that he's not doing that as a damning indictment on Joe Biden's character and also a damning indictment on the progressive politics of this White House that has lamented the shattering of historic norms and now rushing with gusto ahead, shattering more historic norms that they would be upset about had the other side done it. Absolutely, absolutely infuriating that this is happening.
And by the way, I think this sort of stuff matters politically as the midterms approach. I think people in Florida, swing voters need to understand. Swing voters in Mississippi need to understand. Not that they're blue states or even swing states, but there are swing voters and they should understand. This president of the United States is a wall when it comes to dealing with the disasters of those states. It is, yes, rally FEMA, rally the National Guard, do all of these things. But it is tradition and it is proper that the president also play a role, and he's not. And I think that just heightens partisan tensions in this country. This president, for all of his concerns about partisan tension in this country, does a very good job of heightening partisan tensions in this country. Whether it's his speech or other things, the president heightens partisan tensions and drives up anxiety in this country. And I think willfully, I think it's a willful pattern by this president in the White House to try to energize Democratic voters, to make inter- Democratic voters fired up, to, to, to do what they can to incite those voters. They don't care about the Republicans. They care about getting as many Democratic voters out to mitigate damage. They can't stop what's coming, so they're going to try to mitigate what's coming. And that plays a role in everything this White House does including this president shattering the historic norm of reaching out to a governor of a state facing natural disaster. And of course, the Democrats who lamented Donald Trump and the media who lamented Trump doing stuff like that, they will give Joe Biden a pass. Everybody asked me about bowl and branch sheets. I actually put up a picture the other day. We got some in our house because we order from them. We actually are customers. They're like, oh my gosh, are they really that good? Yes, they get softer every single time you wash them. I mean, they use 100% organic cotton threads. They're super soft. You get such a good sleep. They have just the great weight to them. Like I had a pair of sheets we actually threw away when we replaced them with Bull and Branch where is they were just like too light and also not very soft. The Bull and Branch, they're perfect. The drape across your body when you sleep, absolutely perfect. Bull and Branch uses the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness, for a better night's sleep. They've got over 10,000 stellar reviews. Their signature sheets come in nine neutral colors in all sizes from twin to California king. You will feel the difference. And they're 100% free from toxins. No pesticides, no formaldehyde, no harsh chemicals. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Welcome back. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Just a personal note, I'm doing an event tonight for Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, people who um, previously committed to hanging out with me and just a reminder to those of you that tonight's the night. Uh, if this is, is not the Bourbon and Butts event, this is just the the uh, live lounge, hang out with me, Q&A session. Uh, we couldn't do it at the office. We rescheduled it. And so I will see you guys tonight in Woodstock. Uh, you know where to go. Now, uh, I got I to gotta play this audio for you. This is the 14th time, the 14th time this has happened. John Fetterman, the Democrats uh, nominee for Senate in Pennsylvania, this is him. The 14th time he's advocated for releasing a third of inmates from prisons in Pennsylvania. I have a good working relationship with our correction secretary, and he said something on a panel that I was on with him. He said, we could call one-third of our prison population out of jail and not make anyone less safe. And I don't know why we all wouldn't want that. 
Right. Right. Um, I don't know why we wouldn't all want that. Are we really going to believe these experts that everyone would still stay safe? Really? With the crime surge happening in the country as a number of uh, George Soros-funded district attorneys have led people out and crime has gone up. Look what happened in San Francisco. Really? Are we going to believe this? The 14th time he has said this. Dr. Oz continues to narrow the polling. And by the way, I, I got to tell you, he he produced a, a video. Uh, I saw Guy Benson uh, tweeted this, and I was impressed with what he said. They, they, his team was asked a question about his dual citizenship in a way that uh, he hadn't been asked before. I want to play this for you, Dr. Oz, and you kind of get a sense of why Fetterman doesn't want to actually engage this guy on a debate stage. How do you feel about dual citizenship with other countries, especially being a civil servant, as you would be as a senator? Thank you for asking the question. Uh, the reason this is coming up is because of my opponent uh, making a, a big deal about the fact that I was born in this country, but my father and mother, as I mentioned, were Turkish immigrants. So by Turkish law, you're allowed to keep your Turkish citizenship, which I've kept for only one reason. My mom has Alzheimer's. Ben knows a lot about that ailment. It's a horrible disease. Six million Americans are afflicted by it. My mom lives in Turkey with it. And you lose your loved ones twice. You lose them when they forget you, and then you lose them when you lose them. My one sister has mental health issues. And so I have a restraining order against her in Turkey. This is a lot of dirty underwear, but it's the reality and I'm pretty transparent about who I am. So I maintain my Turkish citizenship so I have custodial control over her healthcare. And I would compromise that if I gave it up. However, I've agreed, because this is a distraction, that if I'm elected, if I'm honored to, to allow to be serving you, that I would give up my Turkish citizenship before I were to serve in the Senate. But I know I shouldn't have to, and to answer your question, there is no issue. There have been other senators who are dual citizens. Uh, Ted Cruz was a dual citizen. But uh, I don't want there to be a distraction about this. I, I, I know I shouldn't have to, and I can love my mom, and I can love my country at the same time. But this is politics, and this issue has come up, and I don't want it to be in the back of anyone's mind, uh, well-meaning or not. And so I've already made that commitment. We've found ways with my family to address this. That's his statement on dual citizenship. You can understand why Fetterman doesn't want to be on stage with the guy. Powerful statement, too, on what's actually the real story is. Hi there. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, how's about we go to the phones? I want to start with Cindy. Welcome, Cindy, to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? Fine, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. I was just wondering, you were talking about how Biden keeps avoiding things and so does the press secretary. What about the border? I mean, I was watching Harris Faulkner, you know, down at the border in a helicopter showing all that's going on and riding along with the agents. How long can he keep saying the border's secure, the border's secure? They're starting to look really stupid. I mean, aren't they going to have to answer that question and do something about it? Well, I think most of the American media isn't going to push them on the issue outside of Peter Ducey from Fox. Uh, most of the media doesn't care about the issue or or they they think it helps the Democrats, so they're willing to go for it. I, it it's going to be a huge issue, though, for the voters because the voters themselves, the polling has shown immigration and border control continuing to creep up. 
uh, and in terms of what voters actually care about. And that being the case, I think this comes back to hurt the Democrats in a pretty bad way. Um, and it's going to come out uh, when Republicans hold investigations that uh, the Border Patrol wasn't able to do everything they wanted to do. But more importantly, I suspect you're going to see a move begin to push from Republicans to impeach Mayorkas, the head of uh, Department of Homeland Security. Mayorkas, I I know for a fact, because I've had multiple members of Congress who were in the meeting tell me, uh, Mayorkas told him essentially, look, uh, you may want to impeach me, but the next guy is going to be worse than me. Essentially, uh, what I'm told from these congressmen is that Mayorkas is kind of the fall guy for the Biden administration. He knows it. He's willing to play the role. Uh, and the um, the Republicans kind of know if they impeach him and get rid of him, the next guy is going to be more irresponsible and, and actually malicious, where Mayorkas isn't malicious. Ne- negligence and maliciousness are not the same thing. Uh, misfeasance and malfeasance are not the same thing. Nonfeasance is not the same thing. Um, and that becomes an issue, frankly. It, it really will become an issue with the border. Now, I want to pivot back to something I talked about yesterday. Uh, Georgia Maloney, I played you her speech yesterday. It's gone viral on the Internet. Well, this needs to go viral, too. This is the American, uh, and I should say Western English-speaking media response, pretty much American media coverage. Of Georgia Milani, she is the uh, leader of the largest coalition winner in Italy, the Brothers of Italy Party. It is, in fairness, a party that derived after World War II from uh, the the then-fascist movement that was displaced because of Mussolini. It's true. She has worked very hard to reform the party, push the party forward. She has purged anti-Semites from the party. She's cleaned it up. She's now more of a Thatcherite uh, conservative. She believes in God and family, fairly traditional mainstream views on the right. But this is how the American media is reacting to her election. Voters in Italy tomorrow appear poised to make a hard right turn. The woman expected to become prime minister leads a party with roots in neo-fascism. The hallmarks of Italian fascism, like this motto. God, fatherland, and family. A far-right political party whose roots go back to post-World War II neo-fascists. Far-right political party whose roots go back to post-World War II neo-fascists. Roots in Italy's post-war fascist movement. Roots in Italy's 20th century neo-fascist movement. Maloney herself uh, was a a hardcore neo-fascist militant. Stunning because of Italy's disastrous history, the last time a hard-right party rose to power. The most far-right government in that country since Mussolini. Most right-wing government since Mussolini. Since Mussolini. A red flag if there ever was one, says Edith Brooke, a renowned poet and Holocaust survivor. Italy about to see the country's most right-wing government since World War II. Most far-right, far-right, far-right government since World War II. Since the end of World War II. Maloney's win will probably send alarm bells throughout Europe. You know, it's alarming to a lot of people around Europe. Italy is revered for its history, but not all of that history is beautiful, and many fear that one particularly ugly chapter could soon repeat itself. Good grief. Italy 
is on the verge, it's not a done deal, but looks likely, to get its first female prime minister. If Georgia Milani was on the left, it would be heralded as a historic accomplishment, and the media would be gaga and ecstatic that Italy's getting its first woman, but she's the wrong kind of woman. Ms. Milani is the wrong kind of woman. She's the kind of woman who believes in God. She's the kind of woman who believes boys cannot become girls. She's the kind of woman who reads the Bible. She's the kind of woman who doesn't support abortion rights. She's the kind of woman the media goes over time to assassinate the character of because she stands out from what the media itself and cultural elites believe women should believe. She believes those very provincial backwoods things like there's a God. He died and rose again from the dead. There's very archaic mythologies to the secularists who believe that boys can spontaneously become girls. Uh, a friend of mine, and I want to keep his name out of it because he locked his account on Twitter, so he he wants privacy to tweet. And I wish his account was unlocked, and, and I want to make sure, I, I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't point this out. He did. But this is this is what you need to know. This is from, from a friend of mine on Twitter. And I say Twitter friend. We haven't met in person. I really want to meet the guy and hang out with him. He's a very good guy. He said, if you treat totally normal right-of-center instincts as presumptively fascist, you will invite and create real radicalism. If you treat totally normal right-of-center instincts as presumptively fascist, you will invite and create real radicalism. It's true. It is very true. She is presumptively fascist because of her phrase, God, fatherland, and family. She believes in God. She's an Italian patriot. Believes she should put Italy ahead of the European Union. And where the what's good for the European Union is not good for Italy, she should side with Italy. And she believes in fostering strong families. And so she's accused of being a fascist. Now, I think I should probably go back through and play this speech of hers again. Um, I played it yesterday, but for some context here, uh, this is uh, Georgia Milani, uh, the, the new soon to be prime minister. This was her acceptance speech, uh, a victory. I'm going to, you're going to hear someone speaking in Italian below my microphone. That's her. I'm going to read for you uh, or tell you what she's saying. Now I am half Swedish, half Cajun, so I can't actually speak Italian, but because I went to law school, I do know how to read. So I'm just going to read the subtitles. I did this yesterday. Bear with me. There's a point that has to be made here, several points, but you can get a sense of who this person is. And this is what my friend is responding to. If you treat totally normal right-of-center instincts as presumptively fascist, you will invite and create real radicalism. 
please answer me this question. This is about what we're doing here today. Why is the family an enemy? Why is the family so frightening? There's a single answer to all these questions because it defines us, because it's our identity, because everything that defines us is now an enemy. For those who would like us to no longer have an identity and to simply be perfect consumer slaves. And so they attack national identity, they attack religious identity, they attack gender identity, they attack family identity. I can't define myself as Italian, Christian, woman, mother, no. I must be citizen X, gender X, parent one, parent two, I must be a number. Because when I am only a number, when I no longer have an identity or roots, then I will be the perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators. The perfect consumer. That's the reason why. That's why we inspire so much fear. That's why this event inspires so much fear. Because we do not want to be numbers, we will defend the value of this human being. Every single human being, because each of us has a unique genetic code that is unrepeatable. And like it or not, that's sacred. We will defend it. We will defend God. We will defend country. We will defend family. Those things that disgust people so much, we will do it to defend our freedom. Because we will never be slaves and simple consumers at the mercy of financial speculators. That is our mission. That is why I came here today. Chesterton wrote more than a century ago. That would be G.K. Chesterton, the Catholic philosopher. He says, let's see if I can find it. Fires will be kindled to testify that two and two make four. Swords will be drawn to prove that leaves are green in the summer. That time has arrived. We are ready. Thank you. Quoting Chesterton on the rise of postmodernism and the collapse of real truth. When the left heard that as it went viral last night after she won or the night before, oh, this is fascism. She's talking about financial speculators. She's an anti-Semite. That she means the Jews. She's actually worked hard to purge this party of people who she considered to be anti-Semitic. In 2008 and nine, and again in 2012, Barack Obama wrote op-eds and blasted financial speculators and nobody on the left said, oh, he means the Jews. But with her immediately, they interpreted it as she means the Jews. What's wrong with her speech? It is true that there is a uh, growing culture of the capitalist elite in this country and around the world who have unshackled morality from capitalism. It's all about making a buck now. It's not about making a good or service and profiting from it. It's actually about making money. You see it with the rise of venture capital and private equity. It's about making the money, milking all the money out of a company and then letting it collapse and, and to hell with the people. Capitalism used to be grounded in morality, a Puritan work ethic, if you will, not just here, but even in Italy, where, where it's a Catholic country. There was an ethic involved in making money that you're not actually making money. You're providing a good or a service, and in so doing, you make money for doing it, and that's the capitalist way. And as things have gone on and people have become very wealthy, the wealthy have decided, you know what, forget the good and the service. Let's just take what someone else has made, wring as much money out of it, and then we'll collapse it and leave it to die. 
she's pushing back on that. Barack Obama pushed back on that. George W. Bush pushed back on that. And yet she's being called an anti-Semite because she, like George W. Bush in this country in the early 2000s, has explicitly latched onto a faith element in her message that there are sacred things and we should protect the sacred things, particularly every human made in the image of God with a unique individual genetic code that can't be duplicated. This is sacred. God is sacred. Family is sacred. We should prop up the family. The left hearing that and presuming it to be fascist when it's a totally normal right of center instinct is going to create radicals and is going to radicalize people when everything is racist, nothing is racist, and it allows real racism to creep in because there's no longer a language for it having polluted and degraded the word racism. When everything on the right is fascist, then nothing is fascist. And it allows real fascism to creep in. And there will be no language for it because all the things that are not fascist will be labeled fascist and discredit the word when it could be used. If you hear something and you think it's bad and must be banned because you don't like it, and everything you hate is bad and must be banned, you produce radicalism. Joe Biden, in a speech, called all the Republicans who oppose him ultra-MAGA extremists. It led a crazy drunk in North Dakota to run over and kill an 18-year-old who he decided was one of those crazy, radical Republican extremists. The media has really said nothing about Joe Biden's speech, and you know damn well they would have had Donald Trump given that speech. When you on the left condemn everything on the right because you don't like it and therefore it must be hated, you will produce a radicalism on the right. Same with the right. When everything on the left that you hate uh, is must be banned and shut down because you hate it, you will produce real radicals on the left. And we're seeing rising radicalism on the left and the right, and in particular on the left as it goes completely intolerant against the right. Something bad will come of this, and it won't be because of people like Georgia Maloney, who loves God, country, and family. It will be because people on the left gave up the language and allowed bad people to fill the void as everything the left hated was presumed bad, and so people with really bad ideas we're then able to come into a weakened system without intellectual honesty. It's not a pleasant reality, but it's the one they're going to, to get to when they, everything they hate, they decide, must be banned. It's also causing economic havoc in this country with the left's policies in this regard. Listen, if you got $50,000 or more in your IRA, your 401k, or other retirement savings, your money could be at risk. You don't have a lot of options, but you might be able to protect your money with physical gold and silver. You can call Gold Co. at 855-904-5933. You'll get a free wealth protection kit from them to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. So call my friends at Gold Co. Find out how you qualify for their special offer. They've helped thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation and stock market crashes. They can help you. We got 40-year high inflation out there. The markets are in turmoil. The Dow continues to fall into bear markets. If you're interested in using physical gold and silver, please consider reaching out to them. Eight. 
855-904-5933 or just text Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Text Eric to 33777. I'll send you back their phone number so you can call them. So I'm filling in for Ben Shapiro this evening. And he's on, um, it's the high holy, the Jewish high holy days. He, he is out, um, and he'll return to his show tomorrow, but, uh, I got finished. They, I, you can't do his show live. It's gotta be pre-recorded. And so I did it late last night and I did it late because I wanted to capture most of the headlines that were coming out today. And then I thought, oh my gosh, I forgot, uh, Jupiter is the closest it's going to be, and I thought it was a 1,000 years, but somebody, I, I just read it, and this is what reminded me of it, for the next 160 years, if you go outside around 10 o'clock at night and you look up and you see a really, really, really bright, bright star that doesn't blink, that's Jupiter. I was at Barnes & Gardens this weekend, and someone was like, well, what is that star? That star is so bright. Is it an airplane? It's like, that's Jupiter. Closest it's going to be. For a very long time, if you follow me on Instagram, and you should follow me on Instagram at E.W. Erickson, I actually got my 8-inch uh, telescope out last night, connected it to my DSLR camera, and took some pretty cool pictures. You can see the spot. Uh, you can see the, the bands of Jupiter. And then I got one, used with, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven moons uh, show up in the picture. You can follow me, E.W. Erickson, E-W-E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Uh, so I got Jupiter and its moons. There are, let's see, zoom one, two, three, four, five, six, seven moons. You can see Jupiter in the center, all of them orbiting around in different ways. And then the big one you can see of, of just Jupiter with its bands and the spot. It, it was really cool to watch in the telescope. Very cool to see. Um, and then to be able to take pictures of it. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's a neat thing to do. I like looking at the stars and taking these pictures. Uh, Texts or just go to E.W. Erickson on Instagram. You can see those pictures. When we come back, we got to talk about the economy. There is more news about the economy out there. None of it helping Joe Biden and the Democrats.